Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, leave out all of the ear bleeding. Although I once worked with a guy whose ear would start spontaneously bleeding sometimes. He attributed it to getting his head stuck in a speaker during a Jesus lizard show. No supernatural events needed. Welcome to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back for one last episode for season four for Night Country to talk about uh, maybe some little bit of news that came out after the season ended uh, and just go over your feedback, see what everybody thought about the the finale and the season as a whole and kind of you know round out our thoughts on it. My thoughts were pretty rounded out, but fortunately, the HBO Max executive saved us with some new information. Uh, I was stunned to see essentially the day or two, I think the day after we recorded a podcast, that uh, HBO announced that they had come up with a future deal with Issa Lopez. The upshot is she's going to show run a fifth season of True Detective. Uh, it does not appear mm-hmm. that Jodie Foster or uh, Callie Reese are attached, but I wouldn't expect them to be. Uh, except yeah. for maybe an executive producer role, I suppose, if they wanted to give him the the Woody and the <laughs> yeah, you can't the, give the everybody Maddie. executive producer. Like, I mean, how many EPs are we gonna have on this thing? Look at Star Trek Picard. I think there was twenty seven in season seven True. executive producers. There is no how many pages you got to attach to a contract. That's that's how many executive producers you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't expect them to return. This is an anthology. Um, and a lot of people, you know, like this, uh, people are losing their mind. Uh, they're seeing the HBO has, has gone crazy. But th- that's the thing in all of this kerfuffle about whether Issa Lopez is destroying True Detective. She's not. Uh, whether it's a worthy, you know, uh, heir to season one. Eh. But to do over project, sure. Um, HBO points out that, like, this show gained over 50% audience from the start to the end. And they they have a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of, like, statistics that I don't even know how to analyze because I was told that, like, House of the Dragon, which is a smash hit, had, like, 10 to 12 million households watching it, and they bust out this uh, 12.7 million cross-platform viewers. I don't know what the fuck that means, but, you know... yeah, if you look at the, H, the the True Detective seasons as a whole, other than season one, they all kind of lost, you know, they, they had that standard TV show trajectory where, you know, uh, as the seasons go on, people don't keep up with it and less and less people watch this. This built its audience, not not just, uh, you know, end over end, but week over week. It was gaining 10, 15 percent. So mm-hmm. obviously they sat up and took notice. Yeah, that's why it wasn't like super surprising when they renewed this. I guess the surprise here is that it happened so quickly, but they probably want to turn this around faster than they did from season three to season four, right? I would say it's to really yeah. capitalize on the momentum they've got. 
And in this, and I also think that in this uh, content competitive environment, Issa Lopez is a big talent that a lot of other places would like to snap up if uh, yeah. she's available. So, mm-hmm. you know, horror is really hot right now. It's having like this kind of resurgence alongside science fiction. And I think she's, uh, she's, she's like an up and coming rising talent, established talent. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what they come up with the fifth season, especially if they just either, I, I think they either need to double down and actually make th- these plots connect back to some kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Karkoskin uh, psychosphere, or they just need to jettison that like they did in essentially what like Nick did in in True Detective going forward. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I didn't find this middle ground super compelling in the end uh, with the spirals and the tuttles and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think if they they're going to do a season five, I almost want it to be unconnected. Like, let's not let's not rehash this stuff. You know, let's just yeah. do something different and interesting again. I do think that because I, you know, I went and read the different subreddits because um, there's there's like the one main one, but then a couple of satellite ones grew up because it just was so unbearable to discuss the the project in good faith on the main one. Um, and the one thing I keep going, the, the criticism that I think is a little valid is there's a little bit of a rug pull. And then the more I think about this and I actually went and watched the finale again, um, like on Thursday, just to kind of like clean up my thoughts on it is I think that the Issa Lopez era is going to be seen as the stepping away from the strictly Scooby-Doo nature of True Detective, where it looks like there's ghosts. It looks like there's supernatural, but it turns out it's just old man MacGyver in a mask trying to mm-hmm. move a, a, an abandoned amusement park, you know, just, just a real estate deal. Um, I think that, no, going forward, you're going to have to. Yes, it's still going to be some Scooby-Doo aspects. And there's going to be some plausibility, the deniability of what did I see and from what point of view and how much head trauma is involved. But like, I think the Issa Lopez era is going to be a little bit more spooky, a little bit more supernatural. I mean, yeah, that's what you get when you hire a horror writer and director and you task them with making a mystery series uh, like a crime mystery drama uh that's that's kind of what you get right i mean horror you always want to leave a little ambiguity you want to leave the audience unsettled with the things that they've discovered and here you have to do that in a really grounded way and that's just not what horror typically does horror wants you to be put off by the unanswered questions and the oh no it's still out there of it all like yeah, the it's hair just, at the back at the back of your yep. neck must rise and stay a little risen at the end of the project, you know? Yeah, and it's it's not the same vibe as what True Detective was doing, where you know, we we solved this mystery. This mystery is over and done, but there's still like a larger thing out there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh but but it's always connected to people, not to some spiritual plane. Because that's a that's a, the, a lot of the criticisms, a lot of the plot holes, and, and there are actually some unresolvable plot holes, I think. Um, but a lot of the plot holes are simply and elegantly resolved by just saying said that did it. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. And and like I think there's just a lot of people struggling with the fact that like, well, this didn't make sense, or this didn't make sense, or this was impossible. It's like, well, you know, paraphrasing uh, Mac from Always Sunny. First of all, through Sedna, all things are possible. So jot that down. Uh, and secondly, mm-hmm. yeah, like if you're if you're willing to give the, you know, spirituality and the uh, 
you know the the mythology of these people kind of seriously then eh, you know but between between the ladies getting it done and said with the assist because most of the people are just like well how do you explain the men screaming on the ice and they're clawing their faces and all? it's like I mean, if you want to stay strictly rational, you, you there are things in this world I cannot explain, especially when people get involved. I was going to say that might make it the most grounded season of True Detective of all, because right. in the real world, it's very easy to say, oh, God did it. You know? Yeah. We've been doing I mean, it for millennia. So, yeah. You look at this Dyatlov Pass incident. It's always been, you know, that's still something that I, I think it's mostly solved. People kind of like have backwards, you know, back, back filled in the information but there's still a lot of question marks about that incident and we might never know because people uh people act weird in stressful situations you know Mm -hmm. like these men kind of could have turned them turned on themselves uh they've been sitting on this murder and drinking and partying and ignoring their way through it and their complicitness of it and it all caught up to them and there's they're all in the ice and it's dark and they're screaming at each other and you know like who who knows exactly what happened but like I, i felt like a lot of the real criticism are just people just not wanting to grapple with the fact that it might be ghosts. And in yeah. fiction, that's fine. In real life, get that shit out of here. The cops start saying, well, maybe spirits did it. No fucking shot. <laughs> My but car stereo got stolen. Oh, must have been Sedna. She loves those things, man. The native spirits them. around here just really hate Alpine systems <laughs> with 12 yeah, inch subwoofers. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. uh, and they just yeah they just they just really can't abide that. So get that shit out of here, colonizer, and uh, try again. Um, I yeah I I I I guess I don't have like I I think that's fine. I think those things the stories are fine. It tells as long as they're well done. And I also you know I don't want them to give uh, my perfect true detective. Um, like I thought season one would have been kind of cool if there was a little bit more spooky things at the end. Um, yeah, I think that was yeah. also. A contemporaneous reaction to it so i'm kind of excited mm-hmm. i don't want them to completely you know i want team rational to have like a fighting chance um but it's okay if there's questions that that people want to throw in sedna or you know a windigo or whatever one other note i would have for season five is i do think isa lopez needs to maybe do a little bit of homework into making the police the procedural side of this if they're going to continue having it be you know like based on actual police work and stuff i think that would be nice um you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 not crucial and I, i guess if she's going to delve into like the cultural practices of regions around america or the world it'd be better to get those right but sure. I think there's I, I think we can we can chew bubble gum and, and walk at the same time. I think we can put as much care into recreating plausible police scenarios as we can, you know, res- respecting uh, native uh, cultures and beliefs and practices. Um, yeah. Why not? So, yeah, because that, that's I did find that continually frustrating trying to find like where the Scooby Doo start stops and the you know uh spirituality the supernatural begins and it's tough when i don't even recognize the police work that's happening you know yeah and i think there's a a fine line for me in all of this between explaining too much too frequently and telling me a story subtly because like i want the dots to connect but i want to feel like i connected them mm-hmm. not necessarily the show connected them for me uh, that, that's mm. what makes this kind of, I, I don't know that, that to me is a rewarding show. 
and so if they can do that, that's one of the things I appreciated about this season is there were a lot of dots that were thrown out there that do connect, but you kind of have to figure out the picture um, and how to connect them. And that, that to me was really rewarding. And then there yeah. were some that I felt like were left unconnected. And so yeah. that's where they need to maybe tighten it up a little bit is I don't want Sedna to be the connecting thing between the dots. So I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm okay. If you want to tell me a spooky story about ghost, but I want to be able to firmly say, Oh, the show has an opinion on this. Yeah, I think you're I mean, it's it's big. It's become a topic of conversation amongst critics and like the general public is that there is seem to be um, maybe we're exiting the golden age of television and there seems to be a little bit dumbing down where, you know, it's becoming common for people to just say how they're feeling out loud instead of letting uh, characters yeah. like, you know, an actor's face do the job um, or a look or a glance or. And I felt like True Detective was um, really putting its best foot forward when it was allowing you to just make your own observations and connections based on the really great dialogue and the acting. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, they're on the right track. But but uh, yeah, some of those some of those unconnected things could be just said that did it. But also, I think some of them were just maybe not quite tightened up because maybe they would add a little bit more time to tighten that stuff up at the strike hit. Um, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Sure. Uh, there's strike where we're, we're going to be fi- figuring out what has fucked, uh, what the strike has fucked up for years. It, I was sad to see this weekend that maybe foundation, uh, one of our, one of our flagship sci-fi show might be the victim of some strike shenanigans. Did, <laughs> I mean, did you it's see been that? the victim of everything. It's been the victim of strikes True. and COVID, COVID and like, that's a storied production at this point. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, there's, I, I'm, I'm excited for a season five with Issa coming back and uh, doing what she does best, which is be plausibly horrific. Um, shall we get to the feedback? Do you have any other kind of thoughts on your thoughts on season four and hopes for season five? No, not really. Hasn't changed since the finale. So I'd just like to hear what everybody else has to say. All right, True Detective at BaldMove.com is where you will send feedback for Season 5 because we're done with Season 4. Uh, if you're wanting to know where we're going, we're going to AMC's The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live. Already seen the first episode, and it's better than it has any right to be. I'll say that. That's my early review. And then we're also starting this week, Shogun, uh, the new FX Hulu project. It's debuting two episodes this t- uh, tonight, Tuesday, and uh, we'll have our full coverage of those on Thursday. Uh, so we hope that you join with, uh, along with us as we continue our voyage through television. Uh, we'll be back uh, in HBO before the end of the year for House of the Dragon. Uh, make a note of that in your calendars. And then, yeah, also, if you'd like to support what we're doing, if you've enjoyed this season, uh, we could use your support, support.ballmove.com. All right, first up, Pierce. You're listening to The World We Deserve. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. We're back with more of the world we deserve. So as logging into the true detective subreddit this season, I can say one thing became abundantly clear to me, at least that the love and fandom of true detective season one almost seems to merit the need for its own subreddit, considering how deep and singular it is as in no matter what could ever happen with the series. The thing I realized that there's a large swath of fans who at the end of the day only want to kick back, crack a tall boy, Quote Rust and Marty and wax on about the psychosphere. That speaks in part, to, uh, I think, to the fact that this show is ever only meant to be a 10 episode miniseries. The idea that fans who dearly love this show are fraternizing with new seasons, fans, and lessons that go beyond that just make for a painful mixture, and I almost kind of get it. Be like loving The Godfather and then merging it with a subreddit of Sopranos fans. Even if they're both excellent, these Godfather only fans are going to have a bad time. I've literally messaged uh, people in the sub to various irate users saying, hey, man, if you love season one so much, respect the fact it was unmatched high watermark of marquee television, never to be repeated and move on. Hopefully next time HBO can take better care of how and what they do with their IP and maybe next time allow creators to stand up on their own merits and create something new and cool. Like, I don't know, the first season of True Detective. And they parenthetically close the email, says, imagine if they called it instead the wire low country <laughs> yeah okay. i mean that is i yeah i yeah we've already talked enough about what if this is just night country and now we got night country season two and it's its own anthology um can't unring that bell um i will say this about the true detective season one fans at least the ones on reddit um 
they're a lot of them are dicks because you're right. It was untenable to discuss this season in a uh, in a subreddit full of season one fans, Nick Pizzolato, uh loyalists. So several times, at least twice that I know of, someone created a new subreddit, and within 24 to 48 hours, that created you know it's called like you know TD Night Country or Night True Detective Night Country. Those things mm-hmm. had to go private. Because people from r slash true detective kept on invading and shit shitting on the show outside of their own subreddit. So it's like, yeah, that's, that's not fan behavior. That's dick behavior. That's what I don't understand. If you're like, you know, like and even if like if, if The Walking Dead, which is a show, <laughs> forget what I just said about Rick and Michonne's deal, which is a show that I think earned a lot of, of criticism. If I'm on r slash The Walking Dead and someone wants to go salt free r slash salt free The Walking Dead or low sodium Walking Dead, they get away from the haters. I would not go to that and just let them know that they're they're they got a shit sub for a shit show and a shit creator. It's like mm-hmm. you're yeah, you're no longer being good faith. And I that drove me crazy, first of all, because I was trying to see what other people thought and I never joined subreddit. It's one of my joiner. I just just go and read the front page. Well, I kept on getting ban- you know, blocked out because they go private. They keep the uh-huh. season one crazies at bay. So that was frustrating, and I didn't like to see it. Yeah, I mean, everybody's gonna have their high watermark in anything, right? Um, it strikes me as as a little bit of the like. I was the quarterback on my high school football team, and we won the championship stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in their 40s still talking about Al that. Bundy. Right, right. Uh, there's a little bit of that in it, but like I, I mean, everybody's going to have that. It's just how do you approach it, right? Because I yeah. look for me, Breaking Bad is probably the high watermark of television, mm-hmm. uh, personally. And so when I look at things, I have to sort of compare them to that, but also I'm not going to say, Oh well, this didn't hit the high watermark, so it's garbage. You know, I'm gonna say, okay, what did what did Breaking Bad do that made it so good? Well, I mean, one of those things is like you said, it just kind of let you uncover the story through the performances um, and, and the characters' inner, inner motivations. They had amazing actors, so they could do that. I think they have amazing actors here; they can do that, uh, and they do occasionally. But it, it it's I don't go into the subreddit and say. Season five of Breaking Bad is the all-time greatest. Season four, whatever, and everything else is trash compared to it. That's not the behavior of a fan. That's the behavior of a dick. Yeah, it's complicated by the fact that this is a true detective project. That was, you know, it's like I, I think this uh, emailer is, is yeah. If it, um, the Sopranos probably wouldn't be well received on a Godfather subreddit, you know, if they if they took yeah. uh, um, if they took away, especially if they took it away from Francis Ford Coppola, and now, you know, who the who the fuck made the uh, Chase the other David Chase, yes, that made mm-hmm. the, the Sopranos. They gave the the Godfather uh, franchise over to him, and now it's about these dudes in New Jersey and sanitation and the early and uh, the late nineties, early aughts it, that, that, that pissed people off. So mm-hmm. I get it, but that's, that's, you know, that's the other thing is the people's inability to separate what the suits at HBO max did to correctly, it turns out, increase, you know, the ratings and, and make the project as successful as it could with what's best for the creative side of the project. Like, 
you know, it's not like Issa Lopez came to HBO Max headquarters, kicked in the door and said, God damn it, give me give me the memory of Marty and Russ so that I can piss on it, you know? She came to them with a project to be developed and HBO was like, oh, here's here's a label that it, it might get it more visibility and yeah, so if you want to be pissed, be pissed at the... And then if you want to say it's not as good as season one, that's fine too. The other thing that really stuck in my craw now that I'm getting warmed up is the worship of season two, which is <laughs> in extreme bad faith just to oh, yeah. score points on the Issa Lopez project, I think is particular. Like, you tell me you're unhinged without saying you're unhinged. Mm-hmm. I fucking podcasted and I tried to, like, for a long time keep a good face about how that project is going because I don't like hate stuff. But to say that this is better than either season three or season four of True Detective is i mean i'm not gonna say it's objectively wrong because everyone has a subjective opinion of course. but there's no fucking way that opinion has organically changed as much as it has in the last two or three weeks there's there that is I, yeah. yeah i i think people are clowning themselves yep i agree uh let's move over to torbjorn from norway uh t- tell me you're from norway without telling me you're from norway <laughs> you're born uh, <laughs> <laughs> it says I'll take the Arctic correspondent role among your listeners to keep uh, a few polar points of annoyance. It is really annoying to see them driving around like it's no issue in heavy snow drift and even gale and snowstorm. There is no way those roads would be would stay drivable like that without continuous plowing. It takes half an hour uh, with heavy snow drift to create undrivable conditions. Uh, I mean, fair yeah. point. Yeah, especially when that blizzard kicks in. Things are going to get bad fast. Tough. And this is where it's like, I think that uh, there was some, you know, obviously there is a particular area of this location and culture that Issa Lopez really cared to research. And there's others that this lady from Central America did not. Um, or, <laughs> you know, maybe even took um, stuff that's like more pop culture truth than like scientific geographical geographic truth and kind of went with that but uh that's that's stuff you can shore up um i think those are those are pretty good criticisms uh he continues on conditions uh they drive way too fast with fog lights in a snowstorm you actually actually use uh regular lights and drive about 10 to 15 miles an hour um and then their clothing why the fuck don't they close their jackets, which generally seem too thin, uh, when they walk around outside or in the ice caves? Or wear scarves and, and snoods? What is a snood? This is Snowhood? some Norwegian black black magic. Uh, yeah. That's okay. You keep your you keep your snoods <laughs> you keep your snoods into in your your uh what do they call that? The the whole area? The uh the, Scandinavia? The Scandinavia. Yeah, keep your mm-hmm. snoods and snood snoodnavia. <laughs> Uh, or they could wear mittens as opposed to gloves, which are infinitely better. Unless they need their trigger fingers ready, it's silly. Even if it's 20 degrees, the wind chill would be brutal. Yeah, I so, saw this complaint pretty much everywhere about the open jackets. The thing is, is like I understand why, though. It's like why every time you see a battle scene, the hero's not going to be wearing a helmet, and they're going to be wearing distinctive armor and whatnot because you want to see the actors. You don't want to take you 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 hire Jodie Foster and you hire Callie Reese. You don't want to bundle them up in Michelin woman 
outfits and you know have scarves across her face it is yeah. ridiculous yeah to see her going out in like 45 degree fleece clo- weather clothes like oh it's it's going to be chilly it's going to be chilly at tonight's uh you know uh the cookout uh the, like that kind of clothes out onto the fucking ice flows of Ar- mm. uh, uh, arctica antarctic arctic the arctic what what is yeah. the name of Ar- what, what's the the like, arctic i guess the I'd- arctic yeah they don't have a fancy word like antarctica they don't have like i don't arctica. think so i don't think they get a, a fancy name because yeah coin in here it's arctica because it's not really a land that's what it is right it's just ice ah, it's just the arctic yep yeah uh liz would most likely have been dead after the plunge into the water uh at least there's no way her body would work as well as that uh following such trauma yeah i, I, I mean i believe good... you could survive it but whew. Yeah, like if you're 300 feet away from the front from the front entrance, which there again, the geography of this place doesn't fucking make sense. The the Salal Research yeah. Station is 300 feet away from thin ice that could just plunge through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I felt like Jodie Foster did an exceptionally good job of portraying a lady who was on death's door. Yeah, and hypothermic. She uh, seemed like says- she's 85 years old. Oh yeah. Uh, finally, as a person just coming out of two months of darkness, it's way too dark all the time. For a measly eight-day period without sun, there would be much more twilight or dusk. One can this say it's true. a bit too pedantic of me to address these points, but it definitely takes me and my partner who watches this uh, with me out of the plot. I, uh, I kind of get the darkness as a plot point, but why wouldn't Isa Lopez go for realism inherent in Arctic life when it wouldn't affect the story? Um, I I think because like when people below the Arctic Circle hear that you're going to have like X amount of days yeah. of darkness, I think it they really don't understand what that means. Like they mm-hmm. they understand the orbital mechanics of like the sun is just going to be kind of like hanging under the horizon for a lot of the quote unquote night. So the sky is going to be bright. You saw people saying like, "What is this plot hole?" Where you know, um. Danvers and Navarro driving around and it looks like it's six o'clock in the morning. The sun's breaking. That's yeah. actually very realistic. But for mm-hmm. storytelling purposes, the duality of dark and night is just too delicious oh, for yeah. them to. Yeah. And, and they're creating an atmosphere, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's much like uh, Insomnia, that movie yeah. with Al Pacino, where it stays light constantly throughout that movie mm-hmm. there is never a moment mm-hmm. of darkness i'm sure that's not the case either uh, right in those regions so yeah I, it, it's definitely for atmospheric effect and it makes it creepier it makes it more kind of overbearing yeah. just the whole thing has like a more claustrophobic and and dangerous feel to it so i get why they do it yeah it's like when we were growing up we were sold on quicksand being this huge threat you could see it in the desert in the swamp <laughs> in the forest just uh-huh. anywhere in the jungle just quicksand you'll step in and you just swallow you up that shit ain't real that shit's just a yeah. made-up fictional hazard and i feel like you know um but no one knew because who the fuck you know we just grew up watching tarzan movies um now you're gonna have a generation of people that think the arctic circle just gets like pitch black night for six months out of the year uh and it's not true but it sounds cool Although that aerated cool water, possible. that shit is yeah. terrifying. And that you know shit about is this terrifying. Stuff? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's essentially water that's that's aerated, and so it's so thin. It's it's not dense enough for you to be able to swim in it, so you sink in it, no matter 
how good a swimmer you are. <laughs> yeah, they did that on Mythbusters, and I guess there's a theory mm-hmm. that that might explain why some ships sink in like the Bermuda Triangle because outgassing okay. of the ocean floor, and then uh-huh. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Who knew? Who knew that quick water is what we were supposed to be worrying about the entire time? <laughs> yep. Eric says, near the 30-minute mark when Danvers looks under the table for the orange, did anyone else notice the saliva pattern on the floor seems to grow and expand? It's almost as though it's coming into existence as Danvers takes a closer look. Might just be a special effects mistake, though. Theories. I looked at this because this is like the some, something I sat up and paid attention to on my first watch. And I think what's happening is the light of the flashlight is like going yeah. from like a 30 degree angle to like on the floor angle. And that gives some dimensionality to the frost. But yes, I thought they were saying that thing is alive and I was expecting her to touch it and some crazy shit to happen. Like the thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the, and they're talking about how mm-hmm. they got this crazy microorganisms that can change life. And yeah. I really did think we were going for maybe not supernatural, but yeah, the thing, you know, uh, alien, mm-hmm. something, something from our past that we haven't evolved any defenses against, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, the blob. Hey, we need a good, the blob story. Haven't had one of those in a long time. It's been a while. 80s. And that was a that's that's a horrifying movie. Have you seen uh-huh. the 80s blob? It's scary oh, shit. Yeah. I they saw it as a kid. S- it was terrifying. <laughs> they could do some crazy shit with CGI now. Um I think Harry's email next pairs well with this this one. It's it's a lot of tongue talk. Oh, okay. Uh yeah. He says I thought the tongue residue in the last episode was hinting at the cell regeneration tech the scientists were working on. Still major loose ends, but uh what that's what I was picking up on. The saliva from the tongue was maintaining its cell structure and not breaking down or something. I don't know. And I really didn't think Navarro was dead. Uh, did, did you want to talk more about the tongue before we get to the Navarro stuff? Um, um, I think so. Like, yeah, I think Harry's conjecture here is pretty strong. Like, I do mm-hmm. think that they intended to develop this into something like maybe they were going to. This was going to be the well, if not said, then maybe this. But. Yeah. because of the writer strike or the actor strike or it was supposed to be eight episodes and they're only getting I, I don't know what but this tongue felt like it's either just said that did it but then why the goo yeah I don't know I, I feel like in it's to season five tongue country tongue country. mark my words that's why Issa's hot to do season five. Oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the obvious ways to shorten that uh that the uh, season title are not not good um so yeah I, I think i think i just feel like it was a little bit of a dropped thread even if you say sedna did it uh the the extreme emphasis they they showed on the tongue and its goo and all that stuff certainly led me down a different path than what what they eventually walked down yeah even if you want to say well the women left it there it's still it's still yeah. a dropped thread because we don't know how or why uh mm. We think we have some guesses as to why, but when, how, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Harry continues here, and I really don't think Navarro was dead. She discovered her supposed call to death was not that, and was her ancestor spirits reaching out to her. Her need, desire, or call for suicide was gone. In the scene where she was walking, she was walking on the ice, but to the sunrise and to the mountains and land, not an endless sea. And the shots of Danver and Leah driving were there to show that they were traveling to wherever Navarro had left, too. 
I don't know. I I don't have a huge desire to just defend my opinion on this for an hour and a half or whatever. Um, right. I, I see your points there, and you're right about the factual statements. I just interpret it differently, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, we have a couple of their that are kind of, I, I hate that you don't have an appetite for it, but we have a couple of other <laughs> elaborations on uh, Navarro being dead. Okay. Uh, Edward from Andover, Massachusetts says, I love your work, but I have to strongly disagree with your take on the issue for these reasons. As you did note, Danvers point blank tells the investigators they will not find Navarro on the ice. The only way that's true is if she's not there, i.e. she did not die, uh, like her sister. The investigators say people have told them that she has been seen around town. How many people with the icy dead people talent can one tiny remote town have? Hold on, I hold take... on. Can... Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to address point number one. Because oh, okay. another body went into the ice and they haven't found that. Uh, it's Hank. Do you think they're actually going to find Hank? Because we know he's dead. Especially since the way she says it is like, you know, we'll find he'll turn up unless he doesn't. You know, it's like. Sure. I, I think <laughs> the thing I think you're supposed to understand is that Rose is very good at hiding bodies and mm. they're not going to find this body because where yeah. she hit it, she knows they won't find bodies. <laughs> Yeah, the idea, like, the Arctic Ocean is so fucking cold. It's below freezing. Uh, You've got a body that is wrapped in plastic that has been stabbed so that all of its air cavities have been evacuated. What normally causes bodies to float is when they putrefy. I don't know that a body would putrefy. I think it's going to be probably eaten by nurse sharks and and shit, green sharks, whatnot, whatever (laughs) lives underneath the Arctic ice. But, yeah, yeah, I I don't think, like... Th- those bodies might just stay down there for hundreds of years until until again something eats them and they're wrapped in plastic. I don't know how much that will. Yeah, I I, I, I think, think you're it's right. Guaranteed that they find bodies, and like you said, Liz says we might find her, we might not. Uh, well, she says that about Hank, but I think the yeah. same is true about uh, Navarro. And, and to me, it's also you're going very like grounded and rational and scientific here with the interpretation of these scenes because like Mm. okay she's walking towards mountain and land uh that's all fine and well to me she's walking into another plane of existence that's what Mm. i see yeah and every time we saw her sister doing it it was at night she could have been walking the plant the mountains and stuff too we just didn't see him because it was pitch fucking black true yeah there was no surroundings on the two thing of like how many people that I see dead people town can one tiny remote town have I don't it's Innis like I was told that this is a not an uncommon thing like the snack delivery guy sees dead people Kavik sees dead people uh, we know Danvers sees dead people uh, it, it there I think they're establishing that this is night country it is a little different there's some kind of spiritual nexus here that mm-hmm. keeps the dead restless so do I think that's uh, real? No, but <laughs> it's what the it's what it's what this uh, it could be real in this universe. Uh, three, one character the show has made it definitely clear does not have the ability as Danvers. We're supposed to believe a swim in the Arctic Ocean changed that. Now, textually, we saw Danvers see ghosts. We saw her ghost son touch her shoulder. We saw mm-hmm. a ghost gold chain get pulled from her hair. Hubcaps uh, rolling in hallways. Yeah. I don't I, I, know what that is. If not, maybe she doesn't have as strong a talent as Navarro, but she's definitely seeing and hearing that she saw her son under the ice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I, I feel like people who want to make this claim would say that this is Liz having 
flashbacks to sure. horrible events in her life, right? Whereas Navarro is seeing actual ghosts. I yeah. I think there that's a distinction that is not there on screen. Yeah, it's like my dad always said about my brother on the the motorcycle. Like I, I always see out of the corner of my eye him sliding from my rear view, and I look down and it's not there. That's not seeing a ghost because my brother's not dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, def, def, definitely QED. Unless, oh my God, no. Um, <laughs> it's just like yeah. So you could you could definitely go to Scooby Doo route on that, but uh, yeah, Holden uh, Holden never ended up under the ice. That's one thing we're pretty sure about. Uh, so yeah, to see him under that ice is pretty definitive. She's seeing ghosts. It's not yeah. that's not a flashback to anything. Now, like the other thing is, I think that things fell apart a little bit with Rose's analysis of the three types of ghosts. Because I don't understand mm-hmm. why Holden would want his mom to fall through ice. Like, it seems like he's the third bad type of ghost, but also it seems like he just wanted her to know something. But also she was yeah. holding on that hatch awful hard. So mm-hmm. um, four other ghosts appeared in the clothing or lack there of the dyed in underwear in one case. But Navarro on Danvers deck was not wearing the winter gear. She was last seen in while walking through the snow. She's instead dressed appropriately for last and spring, just like Danvers. I thought that they were wearing the same thing. Um, I couldn't tell you without going back and checking. I thought, yeah, I, I, I thought that they were in the same thing. And that was certainly asserted by a lot of people. So that's um, maybe a point four against you. Five, I know it's last and it's always night for most of the show, but I feel like we only see ghosts during the long night, making Navarro standing in the May sunshine inconsistent with her being dead. I mean, and we only see cons- anything in the long night. There's nothing <laughs> this in this true. show that happens outside of the night because it's the entirety of the season. Prove so, to me that the mine is poisoning people in the daylight. I think it's only happening during. <laughs> yeah. It's only happening in night country. Prove to me um, that Hank's getting catfished in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's this is just he found his Russian bride on RussianBrides.us. Uh, the day the day the caribou went over the cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, six Navarro being dead would not be a happy ending for that character and I think we're not supposed to feel she had a bad ending she feared her mother's ghost or her family's history of mental illness would kill her was haunted by the ghoul in the hospital and we're supposed to believe the ghoul was right she succumbed to the curse of her family but hey it's fine because her afterlife is hanging out Danvers yeah and I think Danvers statement that some people who come to Alaska find what they're looking for meant Navarro had found peace with herself with her past and was happily alive the thing is is that statement is just as true as if you say she's happily dead and I don't this is the thing the biggest bone that I had to pick with the show and no one really you know took us to task for it is it does absolutely glorify suicide a bit you know if you yeah Hmm. I mean, it's it's not like saying, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of caveats. So, like, if you have a spiritual tradition where you think that you can become one with some kind of spirit force, if you actively are seeing things in your head uh, and, and you know, you don't try to get any kind of treatment for it or whatever, like if if and if and if you finally let the door crack open and the ghost say it's not so bad over here, you should try it. Uh then it's fine to off yourself and and maybe even laudable. I I don't I don't I can't I can't get behind that message. I just can't. Um, it's it's sure. fine for a show, but I just I yeah I I have a hard time with that as an as an ethos. Ethos. 
Fair. Watch out for that polar bear. We'll be right back. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. Well, some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.ballmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe! Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Time to continue our investigation back to the world we deserve. All right, uh, let's move over to Kat R, who says, My idea for Navarro being alive. In the exit interview at the end of the episode, Danvers is giving her side of the story, all whilst holding a brand new coffee mug with big orange letters on it saying Hawaii. And the states he won't find Navarro out there on the ice with a hint of a smile on her face. My theory, Navarro went to Hawaii and mailed Danvers a little souvenir. Maybe, maybe not. So she come back to Alaska because they are definitely not in Hawaii in that last shot. I can tell you that. <laughs> I've been to Hawaii. I don't recall a lot of pine trees in no. Hawaii, a lot of uh, heavily forested areas. Yeah. Navarro's like, you know what? Fuck this cold and ice. I'm going to go to someplace warm and bright for a week or two. Get my mind right and come back. Here's here's your coffee mug, Danvers. I'm going to walk the earth a sure. bit. Um, I think this is just a little meta commentary on colonialism. I think that's just as like just a little mm-hmm. sly, you know, if you know anything about Hawaii in the last 10 years or if you paid attention, there's this, you know, the idea that Hawaii is not something that America's had for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's something that one of one of our more recent acquisitions, it had a legitimate ruling authority over it that we deposed. Uh, and uh, it's it's pretty gross. And uh, there's a lot a lot of. A lot of people, uh, you know, becoming aware of, of of that fact, and I think that's what it is. You know, with the the rest of the uh, kind of indigenous peoples, um, I don't want to say agenda, uh, point of view that this show has. I think this is just another one. It's an ironic, you know. All right, if we can't get tongue country for season five, can we get volcano country? Let's go to Hawaii I was about for season to five. Say, I actually wonder if it's also a hint for what season five might be about. Season six, Puerto the Rico, ghosts, the ghost of the kings of uh, Hawaii, um, mm-hmm. get, getting revenge on the the settlers and the, yeah. the colonists. 
Yeah. Can Maybe. the, the we'll killer see. leaves a whole bunch of sugar cane somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> was it sugar cane or pine? Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Why? I, I need to I, buy one. I, I, I think it was why fallout take from Hawaii? all the... I think it was fallout from all of the sugar production stuff that yeah. we did for rum. Uh, but I, I don't rum? know that for sure. It yeah. goes down to rum? I think it all boils oh, down to rum, man. Yeah. It's a weird rum thing. Rum country. <laughs> yeah. True detective rum ham. <laughs> uh, oh, it's my turn. Andrew says, I really enjoyed the season as a whole, but the finale had one plot hole I couldn't overlook that I haven't heard anyone mention. We're supposed to believe that a dozen women stormed the station and only left one tiny scrap of physical evidence in the extremely convenient form of a three-fingered handprint. I'll believe and said that before I believe these women went in like a group of trained assassins, left no boot prints, hair, or other traces. They rounded up uh, when they rounded up a bunch of men into a giant truck without a trace. So let me see if mm-hmm. I can help you fill in this plot hole, plot hole. Number one, at least half of the women in the assault force were the cleaning facility ladies. So like <laughs> if they found their hair or boot samples, it would be like, oh, well, that's from, you know, when uh, Annie M., uh, was True. in here cleaning last, you know, mopping the floors, whatever. Uh, secondly, the crucial thing is um, you, you, what you say is true, but it's yeah. just as true as like Rust and Marty staging their bullshit shootout in season one. Um, I don't think it would stand up to official scrutiny, but the officials are saying this is what's right. This is what we found out. And when we've investigated, it was a slab avalanche. And unless someone from outside the system says, hey, wait a minute. And who is going to be that person? The mine who's under like scandal and is being shut down. The townsfolk that I mean, I, I don't know who, who would raise the, the bullshit alarm on that and uh, to, to start, you know, picking out the threads and asking questions. So I think it's kind of like, yeah, like season one, the the shootout at the uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the trailer at the guy's meth lab. Um, yeah, like there's so much physical evidence of the way the guys approached and, you know, how the gunfire went down, all that kind of stuff. But nobody <laughs> yeah. bothered because the official story was Marty and Russ are heroes. Yeah, I think that works for the end of this show because everybody's on board with covering up the truth in one way or another. It's yeah. it's a problem when Liz is investigating, I guess, because she's supposed to be this super sharp detective, although maybe she only likes asking questions, not doing actual forensics. <laughs> uh, I got a Socratic the way she approach. does her forensics, I, it's a little sloppy. Got a Socratic approach to police work. I just like asking uh-huh. questions, seeing where it happens. Um, this is where I, I think that, that Lopez could do a little bit better job because you're right. They yeah. should have at least said there's this other physical evidence. There's like some a couple strange boot mark. The, although they did say that the, the print was something they introduced. But like, why was that? Yeah. Why was it just that one thing? And we have these like yeah. mountains, these rooms of physical evidence. But the only thing that's important is the corpsicle and the tr- yeah and it, yeah so I, like i yeah. said i i think i think we could tighten that up a bit going forward all right dan c from austin said i was wondering y'all's opinion on this common idea that the weight of the finale will determine the strength of the entire season i'm hearing this more and more lately from podcasts where the season up to the finale is good the hosts have plenty of good things to say about it but the finale doesn't stick the landing and as a result the entire season was horrible a good example of this was the last season of Ahsoka. When episode five of Ahsoka hit, everyone was praising Dave Filoni for saving Star Wars. By the end, Star Wars lost the fans and 
or the Star Wars was lost and the fans were ready to take Filoni's head. Seeing the same thing with season of True Detective, I know a lot of fans were not on board from the beginning, but I noticed podcasts who praised the show pre-finale talk about how weak this season as a whole was post-finale. In my opinion, the finale weighs more than a single episode within the season, but it is not greater than the sum of all parts. I'm glad you all have been pretty open post-finale about how much you love the season, that it had high points and low points, and even though the finale didn't stick the landing, the season as a whole was good. So your dad announces to the family he's taking on uh, a two-week vacation and it's going to culminate in Disney World. And you're gonna you're gonna go down Route 66. You're gonna you're, there's gonna be some stops along the way. You're gonna see the world's largest twine ball. You're gonna see all those Cadillacs that are buried like Stonehenge. You're gonna see, you know, uh, uh, you might go to the, the the see the St. Louis Arch and all that kind of stuff. And and you have good talks with your dad. And there's there's some good music along the way. Uh, but you you arrive and instead of Walt Disney World, he takes you to a Denny's. And that's nice. where you arrive. And then it's Sign like, oh, we don't, we don't, we actually spent all of our funds on the twine <laughs> ball and the car hinge and gas and like a, 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 a deli dinger <laughs> and moons over Miami. It's the best all I right. can do. Yeah. How do you feel about your dad? Like, car hinge was cool. Like, you're glad you saw it. You, you, you like that conversation you had with your dad at three o'clock in the morning on the got to know him a little bit better. But ultimately, it's disappointing because you're expecting it to go somewhere and it didn't. Um, what you're saying is there's always an implicit promise of Disney World at the end of this, an implicit promise of greatness yes. when you start a story. Yes. And if and, it and does not even... live up to the promise that you see, and, and that promise can be fairly enormous depending on how into the setting and the mood yeah. of the show you are uh then and, it doesn't and, it doesn't succeed at that point and if you were listening to us throughout the season there's a couple times i think you and i both said in like season two or episode two three four boy there's some weird stuff here and if there's not a good explanation at the end we might come back and like some of these criticisms might even come back stronger i think it's a testament mm-hmm. to how well the episode the, the show stuck that's landing that we didn't just be like you know what fuck this show um i think there's there's a reason why so many people did like it um so yeah there's a grace i extend to shows and i'm doing this right now we just watched the first episode of the walking dead the ones who live and there is a grace i'm extending to that show probably undeservedly yeah i I hear you snickering over there probably undeservedly (laughs) uh but i i always try to give the benefit of the doubt until it becomes apparent that they aren't actually going to resolve things satisfactorily. Yeah. And that's yeah. where that feeling comes from, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Like, you are all about, like, well, this is going to pay off. This is going to pay off. This is, like, it's yeah. interesting, and there's a lot of interesting questions raised, and it'll pay off. And if it doesn't pay off, you just feel like you wasted, you know. It's like, geez, if I'd known it was just going to Denny's, I just stayed <laughs> home and played right. video games, you know. Yeah. Um, and and the, I, the more... The more strange things are and the more confusing they are on the journey, the more the destination becomes A, important, and B, something you build up in your head. And I think that's a big part of it. We're promised so much by all these really strange occurrences. How could any of this connect? But the promise of fiction is it will all connect. It will make sense Uh by the end. And when it doesn't, 
it's it can be crushing. I, I get it. This is why Lost is simultaneously seen as one of the greatest shows of its generation yeah. and also was wildly polarizing, divisive when it ended. It's the same reason Sopranos mm -hmm. is seen as one of the bulwarks and forerunners of the golden age of television, but its finale was hella divisive and polarizing when it happened is because the endings where you end up does matter. And especially when you're talking yeah. about, you know, six, seven seasons of 20 plus episode television, like it's fair to look back and be like, what the fuck did I just invest 140 hours of my life? Yes. And that's you the know? thing too, right? The more time and energy you invest in the journey, the bigger the disappointment is when you get to right. Denny's. Uh, right. Six hours, and, it's hard to get too pissed, you know? Right, right. Um, and as podcasters, I think to speak specifically to your podcasting point, that is amplified, right? Because we invest hours and hours combing through and deciphering kind of the general opinion on everything and trying to present that alongside our own opinions. And we have to think and discuss this, uh, think about and discuss this for far more time than the average person does. So I understand why podcasters get super invested and then super disappointed when it doesn't pay off. Chelsea T says uh, the sandwich video, quote unquote, was like an Instagram live stream of him making the sandwich. So when the power was cut, the Wi-Fi also went out. So the stream ended. Well, the phone turns off is my problem. The phone is off, off when we see it, when those women break in. Is off? Yeah, it's off. The screen is dark. Huh. I mean, it might not be like the live, powered the live off, stream but... stopped and then it timed out because there's no... You know, it only takes like what ten seconds for a screen to time out if there's nothing actively I mean, you can playing set on it, it. But yeah. I, I don't know. I have mine to never turn off automatically, so maybe I'm a weirdo. Um, that is weird. Yeah, I would. <laughs> my my battery go dead at noon if I did that. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Okay. I I uh, so I, I like this because I was thinking like, well, yeah, it's cellular, but like, there's probably not good cellular data. They're probably using their mm. research station when they're outside of town. Uh, to get and so that kind of makes yes yeah. I kind of I mean, would probably just throttle the bandwidth it probably wouldn't cut off altogether right like Danvers makes phone calls Navarro can get a phone call on her cell phone you might not have 4G 5G but probably have do you think they're using reasonable data if coverage they're, if they're police yeah no you're right that's but that that's, I think that's probably fantastic too I doubt Ennis has great cell phone coverage outside of oh, like the yeah. town square the yeah. town center and, and then maybe not you know mm -hmm. uh, let's move over to Shala who says uh, a lot of stuff here starts with do you think a supervisor or sorry superior version <laughs> of this show could be made simply by creating a fan edit and if so what would you cut and Shala has been thinking a lot about it and says just off the top of my head gotta cut time as a flat circle obviously uh, yeah. yeah I'm with you there <laughs> All the orange talk in episode six. I did not need the oranges and spirals to get the midichlorian treatment here. Okay, agreed. Yep. So far, mm -hmm. so good. Any mention of the tongue in episode six? Perhaps perhaps the ghostly ice impression on the lab floor could stay. Honestly, I could chalk that up to it being Liz's imagination, her sort of telltale heart. Yep. Yeah. Tongue could go. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's clear to me that Issa Lopez intended that as a literal metaphor for Annie's story. And her voice so like yeah. i can see why that was be very important to get in there but like that went completely over my head if i hadn't listened to the official yeah. podcast i would be more like what the fuck is going on at the tongue than it is 
So I'm on team get the rid of the tongue. Yeah, just just de tongue the just whole a, thing. A, t- a tiny bit more tongue. I needed a little bit more tongue, Aaron. Yeah, uh, you needed. Yeah. Well, we're going to get your. We're going to get to. We're going to get to a philosophy uh, that oh. uh, Shala has that is really interesting about that. All right. Uh, how about pretty much all twist and shout material? Instead, Liz's DVD player freak out in episode one could simply tell us something about her unstoppable tenacity rather than her trauma, which is actually how I interpreted it initially. Uh, if we're if we're going for the theater, we should cut out everything that doesn't literally make sense. Um, and since the twist and shout, I I don't mind it being there. I would cut it out. I would make the I would make the Wheeler guy not whistle it, and I would also delete the baby cry. Because to me, that's just a head scratcher. I do yeah. not know how that connects or how it demonstrates that there's a supernatural element or I just think it's dumb. So, I w- yeah, I, w- I would leave the twist and shout. So there's the connection between the car. I actually like that, that like maybe even add some diegetic to like twist and shout is skipping on the car. Yeah. Car wreck that's- in the same way, just kind of coincidentally that that would be mm-hmm. good. But the Wheeler involvement, I don't I don't get. Yep. Wheeler stuff, and then it it popping up in the facility, the the research station again at the end, made no sense either to me. But uh, how about Ghost Navarro's appearance at the lake house? Personally, I would like to give her ending an extreme makeover, but to me, leaving it more open ended would be more satisfying. I can yeah. see that. I think that not painting over to Navarro, or maybe like you got Danvers sitting out on the, the porch with her cup of coffee or tea or whatever, and from over her shoulder you see the door, the sliding glass door slide open, and she kind of looks back at it, but you don't mm. see who comes through that. Yeah. Is that her daughter? Is that Pete? Is that you know, like... Sedna. Is it Sedna? <laughs> here yeah. to, here to uh, you know, it's like I, I can't I can't make tea. I got no fingers. You got to have to make me tea, Liz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't, I I kind of, I I think a little more ambiguity would have been, because then I couldn't have bitched about the suicide, because like, then it's like completely, it's like, well, why would you assume she's committed suicide, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Leave out all of the ear bleeding, although I once worked with a guy whose ear would start spontaneously bleeding sometimes, he attributed it to getting his head stuck in a speaker during a Jesus lizard show, no supernatural events needed. I mean, that sounds like a supernatural event, to be honest. Right. You got your head stuck in a Jesus lizard speaker. Not like I got stuck near the mosh pit and pressed up against the speaker. In a speaker. My head was in the speaker. Yeah. Yeah. And the concert taking the Lord's name in vain. That's supernatural. (laughs) I don't mind the ear bleeding. The ear bleeding to me was, you know, it's 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 that Scooby Doo shit. Like it could be. A massive change in pressure, or it could be Sedna. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the mention of their research having the potential to cure all disease and that they were actually using pollution to aid their research? I think having shady mind connections could be sufficient. The stakes of the research is just wild here. Maybe worth discussing, but we're not allowed to linger on it, so instead it comes off, as I think you have pointed out, laughably Captain Planet-esque. Yeah, since that stuff doesn't actually connect. um, Yeah, I I, I, I don't know about them saying that they have to pollute more like I don't like it's it's morally reprehensible what they're doing. Like if they're just looking the other way and aiding and abetting his mind uh, to pollute for purely profit driven purposes to prey on these indigenous people, that's 
reprehensible. It doesn't need to be worse than that. Yeah, they should have had it only be Lund as the director of this facility that was covering things up, and the other men got swept up by the the group of women in their like anger, right? Yeah, like, that that would have been way more plausible to me that one guy was corrupted and that he was falsifying information as opposed to all of these scientists decided no, we actually like pollution and do it more, please. Yeah. That that was it, a bridge too far. They also, because I know the people had a problem with the, in mass, the, all the scientists rising up to kill this woman. It, that would also have been nice if it was just Lund and Clark. Like, you sure. know, it's down there in the tunnel, Lund heard the commotion. Yep. Clark, uh, you could even make it a little supernaturally. Like, he woke up because he had a disturbance in the force or he sensed something. He goes down there and Lund's stabbing and... You know, yeah. they kind of he makes a pact. It's like, hey, this this woman's destroyed our research, and you know, like, do you, do you want to sacrifice the whole world for this woman, Clark? Mm-hmm. That could have, yeah, I, that might have been improvement, but uh, uh, fi- finally, or well, let's see here, uh, the Slaw Group murder of Annie K. For me, not enough groundwork laid for that. But Clark killing her and the suggestion that his colleagues in the mine callously help him cover it up could be enough uh parenthetically hey if they don't fully make a connection that annie k was just clark uh, just using clark to infiltrate salal i think they could leave something like this vague too all right yeah i mean the group murder that yeah that makes sense with what you just said yeah sounds like most of the edits are wanting to be made in the final episode you know yeah which that's unfortunate because a lot of these could have just been fixed in the editing room. But uh, I, I just think it's yeah indicative of like the mystery itself was interesting and and pretty well told, and then you get to the end and it just didn't quite connect. Yeah. Uh, and then Shala continues here. I'm a magazine editor by trade, and I often run into what I call the too much but not enough problem. Instances where the writer has worked a tantalizing detail into a story but hasn't given it enough breathing room to be properly appreciated by the reader. So you either have to develop the idea a little more to help the reader along or just cut it entirely because if it's not worth the real estate to discuss properly, it shouldn't be in there in the first place. Otherwise, all it's going to do is distract, confuse, and irritate the reader. And Night Country has big TMB&E energy. Uh, Too much but not enough. There is just so much spooky spaghetti thrown at these frozen walls and i don't think you have to sacrifice much flavor by cutting down on the carbs here i like this too much but not enough that's a great this is um this is something i felt about a lot of shows and a lot of Mm -hmm. like books and everything that like yeah you either we even said that with the tongue like you either need to go more tongue or get rid of the tongue um Mm -hmm. i think this is a really great organizing principle for for any kind of uh work you know yeah Work on a magazine, work in the bedroom. More tongue or no tongue? That's what I say. <laughs> it gets, yeah, just all in or get out. Yeah. Um, I do think that um, that's... Uh, and I, I do suspect, I do wonder how much of this was last minute trying to shoehorn True Detective into it, was literally strike problems like running up against the... Mm. It's like, you know, uh, the deadlines and whatnot and how much was just also someone who's done mostly short short shorter forms of fiction like movies and whatnot going up to like a six episode like not not you know knowing how to break that stuff down like should this be a four episode five episode six episode hbo told me six uh 
Yeah, I think that I, I have faith that uh, Mrs. Lopez will be able to tighten all this stuff up going forward. Yeah, hope so. Finally, Matt says, I'm a UPS driver. Oh, this is one of these emails. Where it's like, it's not directly about True Detective, but I get this a lot. So every once in a while, I like to, to trot it out. Uh, it says, I'm a UPS driver. One of my daily picks up is the world headquarters of Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm there almost every single day at 4 p.m. Mm. And they're super nice people. And they used to do the delivery there every morning as well. I'd ask the receiver some questions about their sect. Since I grew up Catholic, I just wanted to see what the differences were. Do you guys have a pod about your time with the Jehovah's Witnesses? I understand it might be a painful thing to talk about, but I also find it super interesting. Not sure if mm-hmm. your regular audience would know, uh, but who knows? Uh, so, yeah, here's the deal. We used to talk about this a lot more because it was like, you know, most of old fans kind of know and we don't get these questions as much, but it's something that comes up every couple months. If you go to mm-hmm. baldmove.com slash about... That whole page has kind of got like how me and Jim got together and started Bald Move. And at the very end, there's a succession of um, videos that we recorded before we had the club. And we're, you know, we're doing kind of like a Q&A show every week at this point. But we did a series of long form Q&As where we talk about growing up and our past. And we did one specifically as like a 90 minute one all about our experiences growing up uh as Jehovah's Witnesses. So if you want to check that out, it's always linked at baldmove.com slash about. Want to know why we're called Bald Move? How, how, yeah, our experiences growing up in Southern Indiana. Uh, check it out. Baldmove.com slash about. And that is the podcast. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, sticking with us, with us throughout our, our journey here on night country. Uh, I, for one, am excited for the prospects of season five. Uh, not only was this show a hit by HBO standards, but boy, we, this is one of our more successful podcasts. Like it was not quite mm-hmm. Westworld, which is a big hit, but it's, it's in that neighborhood, uh, certainly as popular as it ever was. So I look forward to another, uh, season five when, when they get it ready. Um, can't guarantee anything obviously, but it's something I'd be interested in coming back to. I mm-hmm. hope that you are looking forward to seeing us on House of the Dragon later this summer, uh, but I hope you don't wait that long. We're going to be checking out Shogun, and if that's a little too highbrow for you, boy, join us in the gutter with The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, which, again, I saw the first episode. It's 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 pretty good. We're going to be talking about that next. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to put this uh, this this uh, decommissioned feed, put it back in the mothball, ready to be resurrected when another spooky season of True Detective comes out. Until then, uh, oh, also support.baldmove.com if you want to get in on those weekly Q&As and tons of other bonus content, ad-free feeds, etc. Other than that, I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya. Mm-hmm.